0: This is This Week Above the Fold, your new weekly source of e-commerce news in seven minutes or less, covered by leaders in the digital commerce industry. Today is November 9th. I'm Emma Irwin. I have Patrick Miller, co-president of Essential Digital Commerce and co-founder of Flywheel Digital here with me. Today, we'll be covering Google's determination to keep its ad business, another top ad exec exit at Instacart, and weeks on hand changes with Amazon. Stay tuned. Patrick, Tell us about story number one and what's going on all with Google's ad business.
1: Sure. Google's ad business, and specifically the display business, is much smaller than the YouTube business, you know, or certainly than the search business. And there has been some chatter around antitrust circles about breaking this part off of uh, Google. Yet Google has continued to say, hey, you know, we really want to hang on to this. This is good for the customer. And I think certainly within the context of ATT, Apple's privacy efforts around app tracking uh, transparency and their policies around uh, software development kits, what is critical for this, you know for Google, is a signal that they get across the web and you know how um, customers are interacting within different sites, and then how they can use that information to better have contextually or, or behaviorally relevant ads um, you know, to customers. What Google is trying to avoid is being in a position uh, similar to Facebook, where Apple's policies turn down their ability both to target as well as to measure. And so hanging on to this part of the business allows them better fidelity going forward.
0: And what would actually happen if those different kind of ad units had to break apart?
1: I think the big thing is, you know, if I think search would be basically not be impacted. Customer types in query. Google, you know, serves up an ad. But the, the one that's a little bit trickier is something like YouTube where, you know, how does YouTube decide, you know, what to, what to show a, a customer? Uh, some of that is, you know, verticalized around um, search queries. So if you're looking for something, uh, YouTube may serve you ads that are relevant to those queries. But also within those larger ad contexts, what's your you know sort of browse um, behavior? It's no accident that they also built Chrome, no, as well as Gmail. Both of those are inputs into the network and sort of how they're able to get you uh, relevant advertising. So what Google does not want to do is sort of lose the fidelity of signal, and that you know this uh, this program is is important to them in order to continue to have that fidelity.
0: Let's move into story number two, which is another top ad exec leaving Instacart. This is Ryan Mayward specifically heading over to Walmart, and I'm going to pass that over to you for the bigger picture here.
1: Full disclosure: I'm on uh, Instacart's advisory board, so work with them well. Also, work very closely with Walmart. Great folks at both companies, and and I think it's to me more than anything else, it's a positive signal, you know, for Walmart and the leadership team, you know, that they have recruited there. Seth Delaire has been the CRO uh, for Walmart for a little bit more than a year now. Uh, he and Ryan work together also at Amazon. And then later at Instacart, and now are reunited again at Walmart. And, and to me, this shows sort of one the sort of the you know the close knit aspect of the ad industry, um, especially you know within retailer ads. But also, it, to me, it's a positive signal of you know really what Walmart's doing and figuring out sort of that what's online, what's offline. The customer is both, um, in, a, in a true omni approach, and leveraging you know their their network of you know forty eight hundred stores. Um, to help um, brands grow. And I also think if we sort of think about the, the macro environment and sort of inflationary pressures, and as we see customers, you know, sort of going to where there is the best value, I would expect Walmart to do especially well here. So combination of scale, great leadership, and taking advantage of, you know, sort of what will be choppy waters from the macroeconomic environment to help uh, Walmart best serve their customers, both on the brand side, as well as the end customer.
0: For story number three, we're talking weeks on hand at Amazon. Tell us more here about some of the observations we and others in the industry are seeing.
1: Sure. So Amazon, earlier in the year, when both Walmart and Target wanted to shed inventory, uh, Amazon took the absolute opposite approach. And they said, we're going to build inventory. And so they built inventory coming into both Prime Day as well as coming into Peas. However, post P's and actually, really, even a little bit before P's, um, what we started to see is that Amazon started dropping weeks of cover, and so what that ended up meaning for the brands is that they weren't getting purchase orders, and in many cases, they're still not getting purchase orders because you know we're we're now into Q4, we're into holiday season, and the FCS are running at you know high capacity. What this means for brands is that they're not seeing purchase orders in Q4, which is impacting what the brand's uh, Q4 numbers are actually going to be. So it's a big negative. Uh, and as well as i look at sort of Amazon's overall guide of softness in Q4. So, what is really, if we dig in even further, this is especially acute in non sort fulfillment centers. So, I think big, bulky items, these FCs um, have a much higher count of uh, manual labor in there as opposed to the automation on the sortable side. So big bulky items it is, for Amazon is higher cost to serve. And as they look to bridge towards profitability, they're pulling back there. They're way overbuilt from a an FC uh, square footage basis. And so really, when they say that they're constrained right now, it is the decision to pull back on labor. And so in those cases, we're seeing both the compounding effect of brands are not getting the purchase orders, weeks of cover are getting lower. And then especially on non-sort, it's especially tough. Which then has the reverberations across the individual brands, where they then you know miss potentially their Q4 number and Amazon's overall soft guidance in these macroeconomic times.
0: And is there any kind of workaround for brands, vendors out there who are facing these challenges?
1: The biggest one is working either setting up direct fulfillment internally or working with a 3PL in order to have direct fulfillment. That way, you can totally avoid the out of stocks. I'd also say that Amazon, as they've, as they've invested you know so much within their network over the last couple of years, they can afford to run this a bit leaner than they could before. You know, just because they're able, the network is that much more efficient. But that's a small consolation for brands who are expecting purchase orders from Amazon and they're now not getting them.
0: Got it. Finishing out here. Which story is the most important here in your opinion?
1: To me, what is most interesting is ATT. And so when I look at how individual ad networks are reporting, I'm digging in to try to understand how much of softness is driven by macroeconomic um, you know, environments, versus how much is being driven by Apple's policy around app trapping transparency. So I I think actually number one is going to have the longest impact. And so as we look forward, thinking about, you know, which ad networks are the most durable and where brands should be investing in, and that knowing that the ad networks are going to meet their business objectives is going to be key, especially as Apple continues to make policy changes that hurt some of these ad networks.
0: And that's it for this week's e-commerce news. Tune in next week for three more headlines we think belong above the fold, digested for you by our essential digital commerce experts. I'm Emma Irwin, Senior Editor and Specialist at Essential. See you next week.